Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in... Over here! ...with a friend and found a spot close enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Good morning. This is morning for me. This is Jim the Keys bartender. Welcome to another day. It is rainy here. Hold on one moment. I'm going to pause this for well. Alexa, turn down the volume. I have a little background music playing. It's a little light classical. It's in a mood for it. Right? I think she turned it off. But that works too. How are you today? I'm doing great. I just came back from the gym. You know my routine. I got to get moving. I got up this morning and I had some ideas and I wrote them down and I hope they translate to them pretty good. There's some news out of Miami. I wanted to talk to Miami Beach. Uh, Not positive, not negative. It depends on what perspective you have to it. And yesterday or two days ago, it's Thursday, was election day for some... Uh, people. It's an off year. It's not even congressional year. So the um, it's not. This is an issue um, that I don't. It's it crosses both party lines and things like that. So Miami Beach, they initiated a two a.m. bar close down. I guess you know last call two a.m. Just like in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania when I lived there, it was 2 a.m. And it was 5 a.m. So that's pretty significant. They didn't just push it back an hour. They pushed it back three hours. And it won by a decent margin. When you put things on that on that kind of agenda for for voting, you have a very... I, I wouldn't say small group. It's just a minority of people. It's it's funny because the people that really like to stay out to five AM, they don't they don't vote. They're not actively they're not actively engaged. And the people that are pushing for the two AM shutdown, they they are actively engaged. So you can see how it would have succeeded. Now the reason the reasons for it for the 
going to 2 a.m. is the people felt that there's just too much shit going on after 2 a.m. in Miami Beach. A lot of partying. I guess there's some people in the area that live in Miami Beach that where there's a lot of bars and, and nightclubs. They don't like... They they have an attitude that these people are very boisterous, loud, things are going on, and we're not happy with it. So, you know, maybe you should shut down at 2 a.m. We don't need to hear this stuff at 5 or people coming in at 5.15, 5.30 or whatever. Their reasoning for it, <clears throat> it could be straight out puritanical paintings. Right? I don't give a shit if they cut them, you know. Some people may say, I don't care if they close down the, the bars, stop serving alcohol all the way. Or I think that's 2 a.m. is plenty, plenty of time. Now, the interesting part was the counter argument. And that's what, even as a bartender, you think I might come one way or the other. Me being an older bartender, you may think, well, he doesn't care. He's not. At 2 a.m., oh my God. The last time I saw 2 a.m., well, I woke up and peed in the middle of the night. But I did go to a wedding where I drank till like 4, 4, 4 o'clock in the morning. Started at 3. That was about two years ago. I want to pause this for a second. I have a call coming in. Let me, no, maybe, let's see what it is. Gold wine embroidery. Hello, this is Jim. And we're back. I'm so glad I didn't record that. It was a very nice woman who was calling from a company. They were calling for someone who placed an order for hats. Hats, yeah, embroidered hats. So, and I had the phone number in my, I guess, I guess I do have caller ID on my phone because most, most phone numbers don't come in that way. But let's get back to the subject we were talking about. The side where people doing pro staying open at 5 a.m. in Miami Beach. Now, Miami Beach is a a destination for people, a party destination and things like that. Miami Beach, you know, you got the the beach itself, the sun and all that stuff, the, the ocean. But then you have the nightlife. Miami Beach is known for its li- uh, nightlife. And night, 5 a.m. is still considered, even though it's the morning, it's still nighttime. It's dark most of the time. And to have people out, uh, when they come down here and they want to party, and they say, well, let's, who are you to tell me when to stop? And restaurants are earning profits or nightclubs, and they're paying taxes on it. And they'll say, listen, we pay taxes on it. We rent space. We pay employees and they pay they pay taxes wage taxes whatever and they pay for and they use their income to purchase other things in the community so we support the community and if once you close down that 2 a.m. we're not earning any extra money and 
you know, some people, it's, it's a Latin culture and things start later. Look at Spain. People start going out at two o'clock. Start. <clears throat> and they don't want to be told in the time they have to. There's, there's service industry employees, people that work late. And they're ready to go. I had a friend I bartended with, Brian, at my old restaurant. And he was talking about how the, the club scene, there were some places that opened up early, like at 9 o'clock. And then uh, places that would open up around 12. And other places open around 2 to go for another 3 hours. I imagine they wouldn't open for 3 hours. So they probably open at 12 and they stay open till 5. And... That's all well and good. And the people that were earning their money then, they're not going to be, they're not going to be making the money then at those time slots. So that's an absolute, meaning between two and five, there is no more income coming. It's just shutting down and you're just paying people. There's going to be a ton of people that work late. They're not going to be working anymore. And I don't know any of the other arguments. Say, listen, I just like going out late at night. And blah, blah, blah. You know, this, that, that. Now, the arguments against are very robust. Meaning, oh my God. You don't have, you know, you don't have enough time till 2 a.m. to have a good time. What are you doing till then? Well, we're, you know, they'll counter with that. We're partying, we're dancing, we're having a good time. People say, well, listen, we just, there's an, there's a certain time and place to say when enough is enough. We can't have people out there and people, you know, out there making noise, running rampant in the streets. Which, you know, at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, I can see that. I mean, if you move down and get a condo in an area where there's a bunch of restaurants and nightclubs that open at 5 a.m. in the morning, you have to pretty much, it's like moving next to an airport or a highway, you have to have an expectation that there's going to be things going on. Like there's going to be, if you're near an airport, you're going to hear jetliners pulling, and they're loud. They're going to be flying overhead. And if you're near a highway, you're going to hear both. Now, if you're near an airport, you're necessarily probably right next to a highway too, so you get both of them. So you better have that sound you know, kind of really special glass that has kind of soundproof your condo or house. Most likely condo or an apartment. It'd be, hence people say, listen, you move down to Miami. Now, this is my argument. Uh, I'm trying to develop some argument. If you're on Miami Beach, and it was Miami Beach, it wasn't South Beach, it wasn't this. I mean, South Beach could be Miami Beach. I guess I should know that, but... It was Miami Beach that passed this ordinance, 2 a.m. <clears throat> and the proponents of people staying open to 5 a.m. would say, you moved into an area that had a lot of clubs and restaurants and they were open to 5 a.m. Why is this a shock to you? If you lived near an airport, would you ask them not to fly planes? There is a gated community north of us, Ocean Reef, that they have an airport on their property. Now, this is a little different because the airport is wholly inside the gated community. So they can make their own, the members can make their own rules. And their rules is you can't have a flight come in after a certain time. 
And there's only a certain amount of jets can fly in. And that's all well and good for them. And the Miami, the city of Miami can pretty much do that with their airport if they want to. That would kind of be restrictive. You know, telling people when they can and cannot fly in. They already kind of not do that. You don't have any real late flights coming in, but maybe you do. Oh, this is just a spam call coming in. I'm going to have to turn this down a little. See, got to say, when it's enough is enough with these phone calls, right? So Miami Beach did that, and they said, listen, we we made the decision, and they're going to deal with the repercussions of that. And we'll see what, how that shakes out in their community. It's like people are going to spend their tourist dollars or their vacation dollars someplace else, go to a community nearby if there is one where they are open at 5 a.m., or go to an entirely different city. Las Vegas, perhaps, or L.A., or New York, the city that never sleeps, according to the song. And I guess if I lived in the neighborhood, I would feel kind of pulled in different directions if I moved there for a particular reason. And just to move there and say, well, listen, I like it here, but I don't like the idea that bars being open at 5 a.m. Well, that's kind of, you knew that already, didn't you? Didn't you know that? If you move, if you move next to a stadium, say a football stadium, and there's a game, you're going to know parking is going to be at a premium in your neighborhood during the game, before and after the game, or during, before, during, and after the game. It should be no surprise. Oh, there's a stadium over there. An 80,000-seat stadium. I wonder what it's like during a game where it's sold out. I'll tell you what it's like. It's crowded as fuck. Traffic's bad. Parking, blah, blah, blah. But you chose to move there. So, you know, Pull yourself up. Pull those panties back up, buddy. Don't get yourself up in an uproar. On a second, on a on a counter argument, is saying, "Listen, you don't have to. You don't have a game every night, and that's where the five a.m. thing comes. People say, "We don't. How late? You got these people coming at six o'clock in the morning. I'm going to work, and there's drunk people walking out on the street and trying to drive, and you know." I can I can see both sides. And because it's a city and they had the right to vote, they had the right to pass that. <clears throat> I can see both arguments. As an older older person now, I'm more leaning to, you know, two AM should be plenty and plus I'm sober now. But I do have memories of not being sober, not so much while I'm not being sober, but in the time of my life when I was that at, I was not done at 2 a.m. In Pennsylvania, it had after-hours clubs. They were private, membership-only clubs where you can bring people in with you. But what happened is some of these clubs, they give you an extra hour, some of them a couple. I, don't, I didn't know the rules of it, but these private clubs normally went till 3. And it was really crazy because it would be like for... Two hours, they'd be busy. Or 12.30 to 
three because people are going out at 1230. He says, I don't want to go to this club in an hour at two, you know, because it closed down. They start shutting down, start at 130 to get everyone out. So you go to the one that's open to private, you get a membership to these private clubs and you can stay till three. So you have two and a half hours. And there were other ones I recall going to that were, I didn't know how they got away with it. They were open to six, seven o'clock in the morning because I'd walked out of there regularly at 7 a.m. And the rule was, if I remember correctly, they weren't supposed to charge per drink you were a club member and you were given a tab and you paid at the end of the month, which wasn't the case at these bars, these private clubs. You paid for the drink when you got it. Rarely did they let you run any tab, even a, a tab for the night. And the ones that let you go past 3 o'clock, I didn't get that at all because it, it was, I think the private club was you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. We'd go... We go to these different places just to get an extra hour to drink. Now, 2 to 5, 5 a.m., that's pretty serious. And I'm sure there's going to be some kind of uh, loopholes up in Miami Beach, similar to the way they were in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia area. I recall... Even, you know, after the three o'clock, still wanting to drink some more. And we go over to someone's house. You know, there's a, the late, light crowd people. You just don't make really great decisions at that time. I don't recall making any spectacular decisions I was really proud of after 2 a.m. Like there's no great decisions you're going to save someone's life. You're going to do something that's make you an example of a, a humanitarian at two or th- three o'clock in the morning. It was just about having a good time, and that's enough, right? And there's poor decisions that are made. I mean, the the, the in the in the the long term result of this two a.m. closure. Maybe a lot less accidents, general, you know, general abolition of poor decisions, maybe, or alcohol fuel poor poor, uh, poor decisions made between two and five a.m. And no one's stopping. I never understand if people say, you know, that's a great when you're out and something closes at two a.m. You can say something to some young lady if you're out, and you say, I have some. I have cocktails. We can have cocktails in my house. You just do that. Do you want to so you know, oh, I want to hang out with my friends. Well, they don't want to hang out with you. So we'll see how this works out in the long run. They're probably gonna have statistics, these restaurants and bars, and gonna there's gonna probably be some nightclubs that close down because they cater to the late night crowd. And there'll be other ones that were busy before. That people say, well, listen, now we can't, instead of going out at 10 or 11 or 12, we better get our asses in gear at 9. We're going to have any, you know, in Miami Beach, that's it. And they'll be, they'll be the rise of private clubs and things like that. They always do that. They have a, they'll be like the modern day speakeasies. It always happens. 
Whenever you put a prohibition on something, someone circumvents it. It's like liquor sales in some of these towns. That's when you have bootleggers and stuff like moonshine and stuff like that. When you can't buy liquor, people that can illegally sell or manufacture their own, they'll have that opportunity. So, vice steps in. When I say vice, and I'm not talking about the police vice department or the vice squad. I'm talking about people will fulfill any void that's left. So, we will, we shall see. You know, Miami, this is an experiment that's bound to, bound to show some kind of uh, effect in the next year or so. Or we're probably starting this whenever it takes effect. Maybe on on January 1st, it could take, be taking effect immediately. It's always interesting when municipalities pass an ordinance. People don't know exactly what it means. They go, well, yeah, 2 a.m. means it's closed at 2 a.m. There's no explanation. Oh, I didn't know that meant that. Oh, okay. Today, when I was driving back uh, from the gym, there's a pedestrian crosswalk in the middle of Route 1. But it has a light. And there's... So you have two lanes going south, two lanes going north. It's around mile marker 100 in Key Largo. And it passes a high traffic area. It's only a couple hundred yards from the traffic signal. But it, a lot of people would not walk all the way down to the traffic signal. They would cross in the middle of uh, Route 1 where there's no uh, pedestrian crosswalk. So they have these lights. And what happens is on either side and the center, there's a median strip. There's buttons. And these buttons are immediately responsive. Not like these traffic signals where you go up to them and you hit it. And two minutes later or three minutes later, I think it's just the button in a lot of these places are just there to say, hey, hold on a second. Wait for the light to change. Don't cross the street. Here's a button for you. It's kind of like the steering wheel people put in for little kids in the car. See, here's a steering wheel for you, kid. You're driving the car now. No, you're not. So, But these buttons that they use for the pedestrian crosswalk, they as soon as you hit them, the light uh, flashes it's it's a it's a dead light meaning there's no lights and then when someone hits it depending on what side they're on if they're on the southbound side you hit that and then the southbound side you start blinking yellow then it'll blink red so yellow is to prepare people to say that it's going to be a slowdown and then it's going to blink red you can still go through when it's red you're not supposed to if you're a pedestrian you're not supposed to walk until it's solid red now, today, someone in the northbound lane, I'm watching the lights turn when I come through the traffic signal. I'm going northbound. I see about 200 yards in front of me that the light starts flashing yellow. And then I know it's by the time I get up to halfway there, it's going to start flashing red. And then it'll be solid by the time I get up there. So I'm preparing to stop. So I start slowing down to get the people behind me to start slowing down. I'm not one of those guys that speed up to a light. doesn't make any sense. I'm going to stop anyway. So I pull up, and the guy on the right, it, it's blinking red. And blinking red, you can still go if there's nobody in the lane. But you're supposed to do it really cautious. You're supposed to stop 
and go. When it's blinking red, you always stop when it's blinking red. Yellow, you're preparing to stop. So it's solid red. The guy goes through it. Guy goes through it. I, I can't even lay on my horn because there's a guy starting to w- walk in a pedestrian crosswalk. Now, as soon as someone, no matter if it's yellow, red, or anything, or nothing, if someone's in a pedestrian crosswalk, you're supposed to stop. You're supposed to stop. Same as on the road. If someone if someone's walking on a road, walking in front of you, you're supposed to stop. I know there's some municipalities say, well, if you walk into a street without the thing, that's on you, not on the car. Well, you're still not supposed to run a person over. I don't care what they say. Morally, it's reprehensible. You don't run people over, even if they're being stupid. So, when someone's in a crosswalk... So when the light starts changing and it starts, and, and then when it goes from a solid red, it starts going to a blinking red again. And then from blinking red to nothing. Now people pull up to that light and then people exit the crosswalk and there's nobody in the crosswalk anymore. It's blinking red after a solid red. You're allowed to, if you had stopped, you're allowed to continue. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't get that one guy, though. A solid red. You got to stop, man. If there's a red light, blinking red, you got to stop. I don't care if someone's in there or not. Prepare for it. Just the other day, it was it was amazing. There was The light was changed and was green both directions, a little further south than I'm talking about, at the traffic signal. It's a bit, well, all of it's busy on Route 1 through the Keys because that's our main highway. And this guy's on a bike, and he goes against the red all the way across four lanes of traffic. And luckily, everyone stopped. I don't know what the guy's point... No, it was was actually at mile marker 101.6 near this uh, Tradewind shopping center. When they, they had the green light, and to their credit... They didn't beat the guy. They just realized the guy's not of his right mind. He's making bad decisions on his bike, and he continues across four lanes of traffic against her, against the red. See, that's what decent people do. They stop for people that run over, run, run those lights. And I salute you for not running someone over, doing a basic, a basic thing. Talk about doing a basic thing. I want to talk about a drink today. I want to talk about. The frozen drinks, and one particular one down here, the pina colada. The pina colada. And the pina colada is a rum-based frozen drink. Now, I have served pina coladas other ways, but this is the traditional one. Use white rum, about an ounce and a half to two ounces. Coco Lopez, pineapple juice. Depending on the size of the glass, like I said, you should always probably do a minimum of two, twice as much. So you do a minimum twice as much uh, of the mixer as you do the alcohol. And you can go up to four times as much, I think. Or even less, if depending on if the person doesn't want to be strong. So you put it in a blender with ice, the Coco Lopez, the pineapple, and the rum. And you blend it well, so it's smooth. It's still frozen. You don't want it to be watery. Some, unless someone asks it to be watery. 
It's hard to make it real thick in a blender because when you make it real thick, it doesn't mix generally well. You get big chunks of ice and stuff like that. It doesn't fall in on itself and blend evenly. And then you pour that into a a tall glass or a coconut or whatever you want to do if you, you do the frozen drinks in a coconut. And you top it with a dark rum. Or, you know, depending if the person orders 151 or they can order Captain or something like that. And that's a pina colada. You garnish it with a slice of pineapple, an orange, and a cherry. Or any kind of mix of those three things. Now, everyone has different takes on it. You can always do a little different. You can put a little orange juice in there. You can put a little blue carousel to make it kind of blue, light blue. People like that. You could use different rums. But generally, a pina colada is a pina colada. It's a frozen drink. And when you're drinking a pina colada, it, uh, there is a regular that comes in who lives down here. Here at Total Wine & More, you'll find what you love and love what you find, especially our totally low prices. My friends and I are hanging out this weekend, and I'm on cooler duty. These seltzers and sparkling wines are the coolest. They'll make you the king of the cooler. Oh, that sounds good. Wow, I can fill my cooler without emptying my wallet? Find what you love, love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. With the lowest prices in the DMV. Drink responsibly, B21. Who regularly drinks pina coladas, and she likes 151. And whenever her check comes in, when I say check comes in, I think she's on disability. She always comes around and looks like she's having a business meeting out back with people. And she drives this big this bike with these big fat tires. I'm not saying who she is and stuff like that, but if you're a regular listener and you live down here, you may know who she is. But I'm always amazed by that. She would come in there and she would just always, it's always a pina colada and it's always with 151 rum. And she has two, usually has two. On rare occasions, she has three. On less than rare occasions, meaning She's either one or two, let's say. And she it's one of those people, you always see those people that come in and look like they're having meetings or pretending to have a meeting with someone. And I'm not talking about a meeting, a romantic meeting. I'm almost like a pseudo-business meeting. Pseudo-business meeting. Yeah, and there was another another person, this non-pina colada um, comment. This young lady, she was a boat cleaner. Attractive young lady. She, I worked with her briefly at the Gilberts. She worked there briefly, meaning she, she, she was supposed to bartend. They hired her as a bartender. She came in on the boat. She was like 19 at the time. Nice, tan, attractive. And when she started working, we tried to show her ropes and stuff like that. And she just spent the entire shift talking to people, thinking she was a hired as a, a kind of like one of the celebrities on a cruise line where they're supposed to walk around and introduce themselves and your, your personality that people come in and see. But I tried to remind her each time. He says, no, you were hired as a bartender. You're supposed to be serving drinks and taking care of people and serving them food. So she came in and she was a boat cleaner. She was, uh, and she's drinking with friends. I don't know what she was doing at that time. And she had a brilliant idea. Her idea was she was going to continue doing the boat cleaning, but she was going to hire more young girls, young, attractive girls, 
and she was going to do an escort service disguised as a boat cleaning service. And that she would just send these girls on a job and she'd effectively be a, a, a madam. And I just thought, wow, how are you going to advertise this? And if you advertise it, how are you going to stay above? You, you, there's all these ways you can fail. And <clears throat> you have a limited kind of customer base. People with boats that need to be cleaned. Because if someone orders it, the boat cleaning service, and they don't have a boat, <clears throat> how would they explain that to people? They say, well, listen, you had to charge, you're busted for prostitution or soliciting prostitution. Uh, no, no, I wasn't soliciting prostitution. It's a person that's cleaning my boat. And we decided that I paid, what I paid for was boat cleaning. But you don't have a boat. Oh, yeah, I need, um, that, you know, that is, that is interesting. I paid her for the boat, but, and we ended up having sex and I paid her for that thing. And yeah, I, come to think of it, I don't have a boat. And then I thought to the girl, I said, listen, not everyone who lives on a boat uh, will be able to afford your services, your high-end services, matter of fact. Unless you're going to be one of those low-end boat cleaning services, which you kind of lose out each way. You lose on the high-end customers, and you're only going to get certain girls to work for you or anything. I say, you know what? It sounds like I just came up. I, she asked my opinion about it. I said, fundamentally, it's a bad idea. Ideally, in your head, it's a great idea. Because what do guys like? Young girls, mainly. Young women. Just like the French maid, but instead of a French maid, it's a boat cleaner. And you know, there was a lot of, uh, there are uh, cute girls that clean boats. A lot of cute girls that clean boats. But as a business model, I told her, I didn't think that was really a great one. I really couldn't endorse that for her. I was drinking at the time when she asked me that question. I didn't let that get in my way. I mean, if I had a boat and I was single at the time, it would, in an ideal world, you wouldn't have to do that. But I, obviously, in an ideal world, if it was legal, people had the right to control their own bodies and what, what they did with their bodies, that you'd be able to come into service, a service contract where you say, listen, we'll just, you know, I'm here to do something. And that's up to you, and we enter an agreement. It could be a verbal agreement or anything like that. So, you know, there's, there's all different things that you have a problem with. I had a problem with on that thing, and I just said, you know, and you, you're, you're on a boat most of the time. It seems like she was in a, on a boat. When people make these brilliant decisions for business startups, and I've had several business startups, and I, this podcast being one of them, and I've been sticking to it since it hasn't it hasn't been profitable yet. But I, in the beginning, I thought that maybe the tra- trajectory for listenership would be much steeper than it has been. It's been more of a slow climb until recently. I've had a decent uptick with the the ratings and the uh, 
in reviews, my listing as one of the top 20 podcasts at number four to listen to for bartender podcasts. I do appreciate that from feedspot.com. But the, the coming up with an idea that I understand that it's hard to get into legitimate businesses. It's really hard. Especially with the competition you have from uh, internet-based businesses. And I definitely had experience going up against them with my delivery service down here. I had a delivery service, even though there was online competition, but it didn't reach down here because it wasn't popular enough. The volume wasn't big enough down there where people, they didn't penetrate the market down here. So my delivery service eventually turned into um, a transportation service, a vacation services company where I did deliveries pick up and, you know, stocking up people's pantries and refrigerators and, and liquor for people that are coming on vacation that didn't want to have to do that, wanted to have it in, a, you know, wanted to arrive and have everything in house. And then to the transportation services where airport runs. And I went by the book. I mean, I applied for business licenses, permits from the county, get insurance for my vehicles and things like that. And it's not easy. But what is, you know, if you want to be successful, sometimes it's not good enough just to have a great idea. You have to have follow through with little things, the little things that are important. And one of the little things that were important was becoming a notary. I, I assumed that some of the vacation services people need was no, notary services. And I knew it was very low cost for me to become a notary. And that over the course of a year, I could recoup what it cost me to become a notary. And then I said, you know what? I want to push for doing notary services. It's a little money. Sometimes it's more. It's not so much in the last couple of weeks. We've had, I did mention, or last couple of months, I did mention there was a lot more online competition. And some of the online competition masquerades as, oh, we're here to service you. They're called signing services. And what they do is title companies contact them and they get notaries. They put out bids for notaries. And the bids they put out, the, the title companies put out, uh, let's say there's $175 to $200 for a signing. Now, these signing services will take a portion of that. Let's say anywhere from 25 to 50% of it. And they'll offer the remainder as a bid, a quote, uh, a, to, to notaries. And because they're kind of a second party in between the title company and you, a signing service, they're not the person, they're not really your client. Your client is the title company and the person that's purchasing property or a car. And now it becomes more like an, almost like an HMO to get between you and your healthcare. Well, this these signing services get between you and your client, which is the title company or the uh, mortgage company or the, the buyer or seller. And they take a portion of it. And I'm dealing with that now. I don't accept bids 
from I don't accept, I don't quote on them because they usually, they ask you for more than a title company would work. You t- deal directly with the source that you're going to deal with and they tell you exactly what they need. Well, an intermediate service will ask for more because they don't know what they're going to need to give to the title company. So you get more layers involved, more bu- bureaucracy and it becomes more difficult. The job becomes more difficult and the pay becomes less. It's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant idea to send a bid out and say, listen, we can. you don't have to deal with one sign notary agent. You have to do this. And that's their idea. Their idea to produce this business model, much like the third-party delivery apps. The restaurants don't deliver your food. A company hires out private contractors, which is the delivery person, to deliver their food. And neither the third-party app or the contractor is really beholden to anybody. I mean, they're supposedly beholden to the customer, which is the person who orders it, and the originator, which is the restaurant. But it really isn't. You add another layer and it adds another possibility of a decline in quality of service and product and all that stuff. I've been talking about that for years, just like for Uber. You had taxi companies. The taxi company hires the driver. It's a yellow cab in New York. You have to interview as someone to be in a yellow cab in New York, right? You have to interview with them. And then you have to get pick up your vehicle Drive around, you whatever, I don't know what they have to do to become a taxi driver. Maybe you have to take a test or whatever, stuff like that. And then you're either paying for the use of the cab and then you're keeping the fare. You pay for, you're kind of renting the cab from the, the cab company. Now, Uber, Lyft comes along and say, oh, listen, you're not going to make as much as a taxi driver. But you get to use your own car, your own insurance. You're going to have, you're going to drive strangers in your car. You don't know who they are. They're going to contact us, and we're going to give you a portion of the money they give us. It was the other way around with taxi companies. The fare, the person that hires that is taking a trip in a taxi, used to pay the driver. The driver had the money. And the driver gave a portion of money to the taxi company. So now it's up to ended. And people say, oh, it's brilliant. Now you got taxi services, people that didn't have taxis in certain neighborhoods and stuff like that. Now they have taxis. Yeah, they do. But the places that already had transportation, they suffered. In New York, it's treated like a public utility to taxi companies. They have to pay for a permit or a medallion was upwards of a million dollars or more. That's a lot of money. Well, Uber doesn't pay that. And they're not responsible for it. And they don't interview the people, really. They got to know you have a clean record. They got to know you have a car that's suitable. You got to know you have a, a cell phone. Beyond that, they don't know who the person is. Someone could take their cell phone, give it to another person. They can apply on four. They can have five different cell phones. They're going to have five different drivers. There's people out there in some of the big cities that say, 
hey, listen, I know you're a convict and you're not like you're sexual, you know, you're a sexual predator or something like that. And you here, I can get you a job, but you're going to give me half your fare, half what you get from Lyft. You're going to give me. You're going to use your vehicle, but here's my phone. Or you're going to use. I I don't know know exactly how it would work, but it's it's definitely rife for abuse. So you don't know, and the the company doesn't know who's actually driving the car. So these ideas that people have with coming up with new businesses, I'm not surprised when the young lady comes up to me and says, listen, I'm thinking about running prostitution ring. Because there isn't a lot of great ideas out there anymore. The only idea is to be a gig worker. I've contemplated that. I contemplated that. And the things I mistakenly did was not come up with the idea originally and do it myself. And I could have done something, gotten capital to push that baby furniture rental thing. There was a company out there, but I would have been, I I don't know if they really knew, thought the whole thing out, but now they're, they're out there doing it. They're out there doing it and, you know, you just have to come up with the idea first and you got to come up with a plan and you just got to institute it. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd like to, what, Newburg, Indiana. Newburg, Indiana. Uh, where is that near? It's near a river in Indiana, but we just had a bunch of downloads from Newburg, Indiana. I know I said that several times. It's near Evansville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for downloading, uh, for listening to shows. I hope you enjoy them. I might do another episode today, but I am feeling, I mean, I got up early, got home last night from work and went to bed pretty early, but then I woke up at 1.30 and I started listening to, to podcasts. I like to listen to you know, science fiction or self-help podcasts or history podcast that's my thing I try not to listen to the things like in my genre what is in my genre I don't know if I can know that's up to you not up to you it's up to the podcast but I do appreciate you for listening and once again I do ask at the end of everything this is a call to action to the listeners download as many episodes as you can I do appreciate it the person from, uh, the listener from Newburgh, I do appreciate your downloads. I'm not ashamed to ask. I put out a product. It's it's there for you. It's, it's I'm bearing myself to you, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I don't know what it is, but it seems like this year, or these past couple of years, there's been a lot of bad news. A lot of bad news, a lot of death a lot of economic troubles, a lot of displacement. But it's not all bad. The world is not all bad. There's some places where it's really rough. I do understand that. But a lot of times we tend to get into that mindset when you hear bad news that everything is bad. Like you could be one of those people that went to Dallas And Dealey Plaza, 
what was it, yesterday or the day before, expecting John F. Kennedy Sr. or Jr. to come back. And, and you know, you, you paid for your, your airline flight and stuff like that. You may or may not have worn a mask. I'm not making fun of you. It's a shame to be into that. I mean, how desperate do you have to be to believe that someone who's dead is going to come back? And not Jesus either. <clears throat> Just one of the Kennedys. And change your and affect your life. I know you, you feel powerless. And you need and when people feel especially powerless, they go and they glom on to these really extreme ideas. And you know what? Some extreme ideas, yeah, yeah, I can understand that a lot at the time gravity, space travel, flight, penicillin, inoculation. Uh, television, technology, all of it seems extreme. When someone comes, imagine in the 1920s when someone says, yeah, I know you have, we have wireless radio now that we're able to send people's voice wirelessly. I have a, I'm going to send pictures wirelessly to people's houses. So people have a movie theater in their house. People probably thought that's a crazy idea. Well, there you go. It's not so crazy. Now we got like ten thousand channels, unlimited amount of channel, unlimited, unlimited possibilities of challenge, or somewhat virtually unlimited. You know what I'm saying? There's, uh, you know, most people are living healthy lives. We're, you know, step by step, we're getting rid of some. Bad illnesses we're addressing. We're getting to know more about the human body and stuff like that. People living longer than ever. There's some dips in life expectancy. But the quality of life certainly has changed for most people in the world. For most people. Now a a lower middle class person in a Western society or middle class person in, in, in developing country has a much better life and access the the comforts than someone that was on the top of their society five, six hundred years ago. They have knowledge at their fingertips. They have medical care. They have access to water. Most people have access to uh, clean water and, and healthy food. I know there's a lot of people that don't. And we should, you know, we should never try to Make that as widely as widely accessible as possible. And if you're listening to the show and you don't necessarily believe those are important things, and I, I understand that because pain and suffering kind of makes you pull in and think of yourself. I get selfish. I feel bad when I. I, I I feel bad when things aren't going my way necessarily. And my life, if if I compared myself to someone else that's in it, we always compare ourselves to people that have better lives or lives we think that are better. Sometimes you spend all this time focusing on people's lives that you say, oh, I wish I was like, oh my God. 
look at these wealthy people, the people, and there's some people they you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what their lives are like. You don't know what challenges they have. They could have everything financial, health-wise, and physically health. But mentally, they could be in a, in a bad place. And remember, I've said this before. If you if problems and lives and all this our situations were like a set of car keys, right? And you put them all in the center in a bowl, and you say, pick whatever you want. This is the things you could pick. Someone else's situation. And if you're aware, if you were fully aware what that other person is going through and what their life was like and what their concerns were, you'd grab your own because you know what your, your problems are. Sometimes you don't know. There are horrible points in your life, but they're never, uh, in the last couple of days, I felt really down. But for some reason, at the, the nadir, at the bottom of those feelings, it's the only one way to go. Someone asked me, say, hey, Jim, what's it feel like being ranked number four? I said, well, I'm kind of glad. I'm really happy to be in that position. They go, why? Why, why do you happy to be in that position? Well, once you get to, and this is kind of, I guess it's kind of a negative Nancy kind of thing to say, or Norman, negative Norman. I guess that's, and number one, where do you have the place to go? Well, I mean, at number one, there are places you can go. You can make yourself better when you're number one. You can get faster. You can do your job better. You can be a better person. You can excel. You, you, you can, there's room to go. Just don't measure yourself up to other people. And don't worry about that. Like, I'm not going to worry about the number four. number. That rating that I got doesn't change fundamentally what I do. I'm going to keep on doing what I do and try to do it well. It's within my power. And I hope that uh, I always have the impetus and instigation to be able to go forward and not change it and not have it affect it. In, that, um, in a book by Don, uh, there's Don Miguel Ruiz. And a lot of these people, I know you think it's frou-frou and you know, new agey kind of stuff. But Don Miguel Ruiz did this book called The Four Agreements. And one of them, one of the agreements was don't take anything too personally. And that's good or bad. Like something bad happens, don't think that that's only you. And something good happens. Don't get all overly. You can feel happy about those things. You feel sad about the bad things. I'm suggesting don't take it too personally. And that's what Don Miguel Ruiz put in there. It's kind of hokey, the beginning stories. tells some stories about a guy going into a cave and coming out enlightened. But it's a beautiful sentiment. One of them is, and I, I have struggled to do that, was always be impeccable of speech. And being impeccable of speech doesn't mean necessarily to use the exact language or syntax, pronunciation. It's mean, meaning what you say and being cognizant of what 
your effect on other people, what you say. So if someone's singing, they're happy and they're singing, you don't have to say, stop singing. You have a horrible voice. If that person's happy, let them sing. Let them sing. It's, you know, it could be like a drunken person at five o'clock in the morning on Miami Beach, leaving a nightclub. You want to lay out your window and say, shut the fuck up. But you know what? If that person's happy, maybe reflect on saying, boy, that person really seems happy. Maybe, maybe. You know, I mean, there's all different types of situations, but I'm just saying there's always a way to really spin that. I'd like to thank you for listening. Once again, if you do have the opportunity, download as many episodes as you can. It is definitely, I think the things you're doing are having an effect. I think the things that you're doing, listeners, are having an effect because it has, you know, just I've seen some positive changes in my listings and all those things. And I do appreciate that from you. And I do value you. And I hope I deliver something. I hope you value me. And I hope I deliver something that's worthwhile to you. So for now, goodbye. I will be back again. I guarantee you. Bye. BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 Moneyline wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB. MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire 7 days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba.